evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. 2024 hopefuls react to President Biden's newly announced presidential bid. And former President Trump suggests he might boycott the GOP primary debates as Democrats say they're skipping theirs altogether. And Democrats are speaking out about the DNC's decision not to hold primary debates. One candidate is suggesting that the primary system is rigged to favor Biden. Does Republican leadership have the votes to pass their debt plan? One GOP lawmaker tells us why he's skeptical of his own party's proposal. And reactions to Tucker Carlson's departure from Fox. What could it mean for the network, for their viewers, and for Carlson himself? House lawmakers returned to Capitol Hill today. The GOP is preparing for a heavy lift vote this week to raise the debt by $1.5 trillion while cutting funds from Democrats' key priorities. NTD's Melina Weiskup is covering the details from Capitol Hill. It has been interesting to observe the dynamics of how Republicans are responding to this bill. As of right now, it's still unclear whether or not leadership has the 218 votes needed in order to pass this bill. Remember, Republicans are working with a very slim majority, so they cannot afford to lose any more than four votes if they do want to get this bill passed this week. And uh, we heard from the lead sponsor of this bill, Congressman Jody Arrington, as he was walking into a meeting earlier today, and he would not comment on whether or not they have secured enough Republican support to pass the bill this week. Now, just to recap briefly what this bill is, it actually cuts spending from Democrats' key priorities in exchange for raising the nation's $31 trillion debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion. But Congressman Andy Biggs tells us he doesn't believe that Congress would even need to raise the nation's debt if Republicans were to fight for steeper spending cuts. Here's what the Congressman told me about why he's leaning towards a no vote on this bill. Take a look. I disagree with that premise that we have to raise the debt. What I would be doing is I would be find, looking to find a way to get our spending level um, uh, back to the 2019 level, which, by the way, it, it, strangely enough, is right around where our revenue level is. The Republican plan um, will give you a 47.5 to $48 trillion national debt. The problem is you, it's just the speed that you're going off the cliff. It, you're still going off the cliff. And remember, Congressman Andy Biggs actually led a group of Republicans in opposing Speaker McCarthy from taking the, uh, the gavel earlier this year. He says he's not planning to do the same here and with no votes, but he says he is explaining to other lawmakers why he's voting no, which could lead some of his closest allies to do the same. And it's no surprise that Democrats are opposing this bill because it does strip funding from their key priorities, like taking money away from Biden's student loan forgiveness program, repealing that money that was recently granted to the IRS. President Biden today saying that he plans to veto the bill, saying that it's a reckless attempt to extract extreme concessions as a condition for the United States simply paying the bills it has already incurred. 
And with this veto threat now coming from the White House, coupled with the Democrat-controlled Senate, this House bill that Republicans are pushing right now mainly serves as an opening proposal for trying to pressure the White House into negotiating with them for some spending cuts in exchange for raising this debt cap. But the two sides are still far apart on reaching a solution that must be met by the summer to avoid an economic catastrophe. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. And President Biden formally launches his re-election campaign on the fourth anniversary of his 2020 announcement. Let's look at how other 2024 contenders react as primary debates draw controversy. NTD's Iris Tao brings us more from the White House. It's official. After months of hinting, President Biden formally announces his 2024 re-election bid in a Tuesday video. He says he wants to finish the job. Watch. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. Let's finish this job. I know we can. In the video, Biden echoes his 2020 campaign message of uniting the country, but also takes aim at what he calls MAGA Republicans. Around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms. The Republican 2024 hopefuls are firing back. In a Tuesday statement, former President Trump says, quote, it's almost inconceivable that Biden would even think of running for re-election. Trump cites Biden's record on inflation, Afghanistan response, and his surge of illegal immigrants. And another GOP contender, Vivek Ramaswamy, outright calls Biden's re-election bid elder abuse. And the only thing I can say is watch me. Biden's been dismissing concerns about his age, but a recent NBC poll finds just 26% of Americans think Biden, who's turning 81, should run for a second term. All of this as controversies are growing over primary debates. And Trump on Tuesday suggested that he may skip GOP's primary debates, citing media bias against him and his already commending lead in the polls. And Democrats, meanwhile, announced this week that they would not hold any primary debates this year as the incumbent president is running for re-election. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. And speaking of elections, Democratic candidates aren't happy with the way the Democratic National Committee is handling the 2024 primaries. They're blasting the DNC's decision not to hold debates, with one of them calling it a rigged system. NTD's Arlene Richards has more details. Democrats have been weighing in on the Democratic National Committee's decision not to hold primary debates. Presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. told Breitbart this. Although the DNC at this point has taken the official position that there will be no debates, and I think that's unfortunate. Other Democrats weighed in as well, calling the decision undemocratic. Presidential candidate Marianne Williamson told Fox News the decision was made as though there simply are no other candidates. No other ideas we should discuss about ways to win in 2024 or other ideas we should discuss about ways to repair the country. The DNC also changed the early voting calendar. For years, New Hampshire held the top spot. But after President Biden recommended they put South Carolina first, the DNC changed the calendar. Biden said, quote, we must ensure that voters of color have a voice. South Carolina boosted Biden in the 2020 election. Kennedy said New Hampshire was the gateway state for 100 years. New Hampshire is a state that's really an exemplar for American democracy. It has a, the gold standard for election integrity. 
I spoke with attorney and election expert Eric Cordell to find out how the DNC's recent decisions could affect the overall election. So the Democrats have been criticizing the DNC for deciding not to have primary debates. How does that affect the primaries? Well, every uh, two, four years, there's a presidential race between the, basically the two major political parties. And if the primaries are rigged to favor the incumbent, that means that the public will have fewer choices. He said it appears that Biden has used his political power to switch the calendar and make it easier for him to win. Did the fact that New Hampshire used to be first uh, all the time for all these years have any kind of a negative impact on any voters? No, I thought it, I thought it was actually interesting because my sense was the voters in New Hampshire took their responsibilities very seriously, and New Hampshire, you know, occasionally would surprise, and you know, an, uh, an incumbent might lose New Hampshire. Uh, uh, there might be a strong second of a challenger to an incumbent. So I thought New Hampshire provided an important purpose of sort of vetting candidates. He said candidates can still call for a debate, but it likely won't do much good. New Hampshire state law calls for it to hold the first actual primary. The state's representative on the DNC's Rules and Bylaws Committee said the president has made a bold statement about his views on diversity, but... New Hampshire does have a statute. We do have a law. And we will not be breaking our law. Arlene Richards, NTD News. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is warning about the threat from the Chinese Communist Party. He spoke to Fox News while on an international trade mission in Japan. The governor laid out a strategy on how to counter the regime's influence. Here's a look. We cannot allow the CCP to produce every critical uh, part of our economy. We, we rely on them for almost everything. We need to bring that back to America so we're producing it here in the United States and we're not at the whim of the communist Chinese. I'm going to be signing legislation very soon eliminating the, uh, the possibility of CCP land purchases in Florida. DeSantis referred to Chinese nationals who are buying American farmland often located close to American military bases. He was also asked about how to deal with a possible Chinese invasion of Taiwan. According to DeSantis, Chinese leader Xi Jinping responds to strength. DeSantis says President Biden appears weak on the world stage, which allows China to expand its power. And turning our attention now to Tucker Carlson's departure from Fox News. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg brings us some reactions from media analysts. It's not yet clear why Fox and Carlson parted ways. Carlson's executive producer, Justin Wells, is also out. I will say that it is shocking. Like, but Fox has done this before. Fox fired former news anchor Bill O'Reilly in 2017. That was over sexual harassment allegations. The network didn't miss a beat. Carlson was moved up into the primetime slot. Some industry analysts speculate he could choose to monetize his personal brand through social media or his own platform. The traditional news organizations aren't the only way to reach a mass public anymore. I don't think we've certainly heard the last of him. You know, there, there are a few places that he could land. Uh, you know, maybe Donald Trump, maybe Truth Social will start a, you know, a, a digital video channel of some kind. Others aren't so sure that would be the best move for the popular host. 
When Donald Trump left Twitter and went to Truth Social, his audience did not follow him, right? Truth Social is, is a minuscule amount of the people that he was speaking to on Twitter. Um, Newsmax does not have nearly the distribution that Fox News has. So it, it would be impossible for them to get the type of audience that Fox News has amassed. I think a lot of examples of somebody trying to do this and failing. Now, I, I would suspect that he might try to um, build on these this sort of triumvirate of books and podcasts and you know something that's more of a subscription base that goes to him without a news organization around it and monetize his personal brand. We'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, have the best weekend with the ones that you love, and we'll see you then. Tucker Carlson Tonight was the most watched program on cable news every weeknight, with the highest rating in the key age demographic of 25 to 54. It averaged over 3 million viewers per episode last year. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. And to offer his perspective on Tucker's departure, we hear from Epic Times editor-at-large Roger Simon, who has some personal experience with the man in question, too. And I spoke with him earlier today. Roger Simon, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, it's great to be back. Now, Although, Tucker Carlson... It's a, it's a sad moment to be back because my friend mm -hmm. is in trouble. Yes, tell me about that. So you you know Tucker Carlson. I've known Tucker since 03, 04 in there. It's a long time ago, so I don't remember exactly. But I was starting PJ Media at the time, and he was starting Daily Caller. So we, those were early forays into alternative media, and we knew each other. We were friends, and we've stayed in contact over the years uh, as he became quite the celebrity, to say the least. I would describe his departure uh, in a micro level and a macro level. The macro level, which is most interesting, is they were trying to get him out for a long time. And he said that. And I think that the reason that they were trying to get him out is in part they want to move Fox a little bit further to the left. And he was a big impediment to that. So how do you see his departure affecting, you know, the conservative movement? right-wing media or also just the media uh, in general? I think it will have an immense effect. I think Fox made a drastic error. Uh, they will never be the same in the media future anyway. Uh, you see people all over getting out of Fox Nation, their streaming service, all of these things. It, and so what's going to happen is that Tucker will carry with him uh, his immense audience. He had the biggest audience on Fox. He had the biggest audience in cable news, period. So that audience is going to go somewhere wherever he decides to go. And there are voices out there, you know, celebrating this move. And we have uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez <laughs> saying that deplatforming works. How do you respond? He's to not deplatformed. He's deplatformed. You know, and some people get deplatformed. Unfortunately, lesser lights. He is one of the biggest celebrities of the media, and he will find a platform anywhere he wants, virtually. So that's the, uh, uh, Alexandria Octavia Cortez, you know, blowing her nonsense. That's all it is. Isn't it? Now, we're in uncertain waters right now, both globally and also domestically, you know, on many fronts, but also heading into a new presidential election cycle. What do you think this era requires or is asking of the media industry, and how do you think we can get there? 
Well, I think we, I'm going for epic times. I'm going around the country with these presidential candidates and keeping my eye on them. And I think it's very I think we're in for the most interesting election of, of my lifetime. And I'm not young. It's a fascinating situation because we now have uh, a young Vivek Ramaswamy entering into it. We ha we have uh, a Kennedy who is in opposition to Biden so radically that you can't imagine that they're in the same political party. And so it, it, the, the, in the, the job of the media is to try to report accurately about these people. It's always tricky because they're trying to present a interesting face to you. We saw today President Biden's announcement for his re-election, which was so canned it was almost funny because it wasn't him speaking extemporaneously, which they won't let him do because maybe he can't do it. But uh, all they have is a montage of images with him talking over it and no proposals. If you listen to this again, there are no proposals, there are no policies, there's none of that. There's an attack on MAGA people, but that's it. There's nothing. But on the other hand, we're going to have other people who have lots of ideas. So it's a fascinating moment. And do you have any final thoughts on this departure of Tucker Carlson from Fox? I think that this may be the best thing that ever happened to Tucker Carlson. He will become even greater uh, power broker in the conservative movement. And who knows, maybe someday he'll run for president. He, I would say right now, if there were an ele a primary election on the Republican side, he could easily come in number two to Trump. Well, we'll have to wait and see what the future holds there. That's true. Thank you so much for your insight. Roger Simon, really appreciate your time. And on abortion laws, North Dakota is now the latest state to enact tougher restrictions on abortions. The state just passed a new law banning almost all abortions. The new law only has two exceptions. One is, if the life of the mother is at risk, that holds during any point of the pregnancy. And the other exception is for rape or incest. That holds during the first six weeks of pregnancy. Governor Doug Burgum signed the bill into law on Monday after the state legislature approved it last week with overwhelming support. Under it, doctors who perform an illegal abortion will face a felony. The governor said the law reaffirms North Dakota as a pro-life state. The law is one of the most restrictive abortion bans in the U.S. Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Ohio, and Texas have also passed six-week abortion bans. And some sad news, Harry Belafonte has died. His publicist said the iconic singer and actor died of congestive heart failure Tuesday morning. Belafonte was dubbed the King of Calypso after his 1956 hit The Banana Boat Song. Belafonte became a movie star after acting in the film version of the Broadway musical Carmen Jones. But one of Belafonte's biggest contributions took place offstage. He was an ardent activist in the civil rights movement and a close friend of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. He also led a campaign against apartheid in South Africa and befriended Nelson Mandela. Belafonte was 96. And if you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. And coming up, 
U.S. diplomats are evacuating from Sudan during a ceasefire, but the World Health Organization now warns of a biological risk in the country. And in the NFL, the Jets made headlines with their historic Aaron Rodgers deal. The trade is eerily similar to one they made 15 years ago that didn't end so well. We'll have that story and more when we come back. Conflict in Sudan. Na nations are racing to evacuate their citizens out of the war-torn country, while a ceasefire means relative safety. But the World Health Organization is warning of a new threat. Thousands of foreign nationals fled Sudan on Tuesday during a three-day truce. They included hundreds of diplomats and aid workers. The Biden administration said they have evacuated U.S. diplomats and are working to help private U.S. citizens evacuate. The U.S. and Saudi Arabia helped broker the three-day truce. It seems to be holding better than previous ceasefires, but fighting was still reported sporadically. The World Health Organization is now warning that Sudan faces a huge biological risk. This is after fighters seized the National Public Health Laboratory in the capital city. A WHO official told CNN that the situation is extremely dangerous because there are polio, measles, and cholera samples in the lab. But we'll keep you updated as that story develops. And now to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Aaron Rodgers is reportedly heading to the Jets representing one of the biggest stars to ever be traded. New York hasn't been to the postseason in a dozen years, which represents the longest current streak in the league. But now the team is suddenly a popular bet for the Super Bowl, having risen all the way to the sixth best Vegas odds behind only the Chiefs, 49ers, Bills, Eagles, and Bengals. The trade is actually very similar to when Rodgers' predecessor, Brett Favre, was dealt to these same Jets roughly 15 years ago, though New York is surely hoping for a better outcome. Favre led the team to a blazing 8-3 start before an injury limited his effectiveness, and New York lost four of their last five to fall out of playoff contention. Favre then signed with Minnesota in the offseason while the Jets fired their head coach. Meanwhile, in baseball news, the surprising Pittsburgh Pirates, off to an NL Best 16-7 start, have reportedly signed all-star outfielder Brian Reynolds to an eight-year extension worth just more than $106 million. Reynolds finished 11th in the MVP voting two years ago, and this season he's among the league leaders in home runs and RBIs, while his Pirates are first in the Central Division. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, plenty of playoff action. First in the NBA, a trio of Game 4s as Boston hosts Atlanta up 3-1. Minnesota plays at Denver down 3-1, and Phoenix faces the LA Clippers, needing just one more win to close out the series. And for you hockey fans, a similar playoff triple header with Carolina hosting the New York Islanders up 3-1. Minnesota playing at Dallas in a series all tied at 2. And Edmonton facing the LA Kings at home in a series also tied at 2. And finally for you baseball fans, big night. All 30 teams are in action. That includes the Tampa Bay Rays who play at home looking to extend their record-setting 14-game home win streak to start the season they'll face the World Series champion Houston Astros. And that is it for your sports news today. Steph, back to you. And lastly, 
Colorful displays from the aurora borealis are typically associated with the North and South Poles. But some people in Northern California and other northern states along the Canadian border were recently treated to a rare northern light sighting. A colorful aurora was seen in Northern California over the weekend. The National Weather Service shared on Twitter photos from Californians who were lucky enough to catch a glimpse of the rare sight. According to EarthSky, the auroral displays were also seen in Utah, Colorado, Salt Lake City, and Arizona. Christopher Taylor, a professor of physics and astronomy at Sacramento State, explains, quote, The aurora comes when particles from the sun are snared by the Earth's magnetic field and funneled toward the North Pole and the South Pole. That's why you see them mostly in the extreme north and extreme south. But the more particles the sun sends into space, the more likely you are to see an aurora at lower latitudes. NOAA's Space Weather Prediction Center uses a rating system to forecast and track the strength of different geomagnetic solar storms. Aurora dashboard information, including forecasts and tips on viewing the aurora, can be found on NOAA's website. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.